0: It's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast, the Nets offseason. This is what I love about the NBA. The NBA offseasons last about five days. Baseball's five months. In the NBA, it's boom, boom, boom. Okay, we're done. So let's analyze. Mike Biseglia, Evan Roberts, we're here. Let's break it down. Now, if memory serves correct, bro, when we were previewing the offseason, we took the big four free agents that the Brooklyn Nets had, which, of course, was Spencer Dinwiddie, Bruce Brown, Blake Griffin, and Jeff Green, and we started ranking them, Mm kind of giving our preferences on who is the most important to bring back. Now, we obviously know the result. Spencer Dinwiddie signed and traded to Washington. Jeff Green signs with Denver, but the Nets retain both Blake Griffin on Bruce Brown, Blake on a vets minimum Bruce Brown, shockingly on just the qualifying offer. Are you happy with that?
1: Happy? No, but I'm not unhappy. I, I, I think what happened was reality. And I think they got what they were going to get and I'm, I'm okay with it. I accept it and I will, I will, I will give it a pass. And I'll move on. I mean, there realistically was no way that Spencer Dinwiddie was coming back. Uh, the Nets couldn't afford to keep him, and the Nets were going to make a move. And you know, what you think of the move they did to get the return in Spencer Dinwiddie Dimw- is another conversation. Uh, so, with that in mind, I look at him on the side, and they say they didn't get Jeff Green, they got Blake, and they got Bruce. So, am I okay with it? Eh, it was it was fine. It-, it did the job. I'm not unhappy. I'm not ecstatic. I think it's somewhere in the middle because they didn't lose everybody, but they they, they did bring back a big, a big core of that bench.
0: Now, you did say something that pissed me off, so I want to identify it. it and attack it. You said the Nets couldn't afford to keep Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, that's not true. Of course, they could have afforded to keep Spencer Dinwiddie. It would have been an excessive tax bill, and I fully understand that, but it's not as if they couldn't afford to keep him. The owner made a choice. And I understand it was going to be crazy to pay the kind of tax bill it would have been to keep Spencer. And that's why neither you or I are He's gone because we knew they wouldn't, but the idea that they couldn't afford to keep him, I would like you to rescind that comment and maybe yeah. alter it a little bit.
1: Well, yes. Could they afford to do it? Yeah. <laughs> Could you afford to go to Europe tomorrow and take your whole family for five days? Okay. Maybe. He's a but billionaire. The same time, yeah. Okay. But I'm just saying, you know, putting in perspective, at the same time, you got to make business decisions that smart for the organization as a whole long-term. And then Kevin Durant, three days later, four days later, signs for five years, 190, we'll get to years that. $198 million. We'll get to yeah. that. Yeah, could he afford to do it? Of course he could afford to do look, it. Look, yes, look, look. I, I wanna... but, but there's, there's, you just, it's not as simple as well. Let me open your wall. Let me look in your bank account. What's there? I don't think it's just that, it's, it's, it's that black and white. Well, no, no, that no. Kind of here's decision.
0: the, bro, here's the bottom line. I am not suggesting Joseph Tsai is cheap. Okay, Joseph Sy is spending a huge tax bill, and I appreciate it. I mean, they signed Patty Mills, and we'll get into that signing in a little bit. And the tax bill on signing Patty Mills is enormous. Okay, so I just want to make that clear. Like, if anyone thinks I'm suggesting Joseph Sy is cheap, I'm not. He's got a number in mind. Okay, for what he's willing to pay on payroll, and I'm not just talking about salaries, but including the tax. I think the Nets are going to spend like $300 million. It's an enormous number. I, I understand that. I appreciate that he's spending that kind of bill. Obviously, he's got some kind of budget. Now, whether that budget is $350 million, $400 million, $250 million, that's a choice he makes. Okay, that's, the, that's not capped. The salary cap is something completely different. So mm-hmm. he's going to make a decision just like Steve Cohen makes a decision, just like Hal Steinbrenner makes a decision on how much they're willing to spend. If he has a number of 350 and Spencer Dinwiddie with the tax is basically going to cost them $50 million a year, then yes, I agree. It wouldn't be wise to keep them based under that self-restriction that Joseph Sai has. So Look, here's the bottom line, because I don't want to spend that much time on it. We both knew he was gone. Yeah. Okay, we, we accepted that. When we were ranking the four free agents, and I, and I thought I made a compelling case to you about this, moving Dinwiddie to the side because we knew it just wasn't going to happen. Right. I did put Bruce Brown and Blake Griffin one and two, and I put them ahead of Jeff Green. So I'm very happy that Bruce Brown is back, and I'm really happy Blake Griffin's back because Blake showed us that soul you know, mm-hmm. for the short time that he was here. And I'm not expecting him to be the superstar that he was a few years ago, but I'm expecting that when he plays, especially in the postseason, that he's going to be that blood and guts guy, that guy that's leaving it all out there on the floor. And the guy that still every once in a while, will show you kind of flashes of the old Blake Griffin. So I got to tell you, if you would have told me during that podcast, this is the result. Bruce Brown is staying. Blake Griffin is staying they're going to lose Jeff green and Spencer Dinwiddie. he's gone. I think I would have taken that as a, okay, that's right. not bad. That's not the worst case scenario. They were never bringing all four back. I knew Jeff green wasn't going to take the veterans minimum again. So I don't know. I, I kind of feel decent about the fact that Brown and Gr- Griffin are the two guys back of the four.
1: Yeah. If you were to get three of the four guys, I think it would be a home run. Like, Oh my God, we got three of them. We, we pulled this off, but the fact that it's two, it's right in the middle. It's average. Like, yeah, that was good. Nothing spectacular, nothing bad. It was just right in the middle, but you know, rotation wise, Bruce Brown, Blake Griffin, it makes sense. And you know, Jeff green is it, so interesting with Jeff green because he's been a guy that's just been bouncing around from team to team, to team, to team, but he had such a good season for the net and he was so integral for this team. I can't remember who they were playing, but there was one game where he got hurt and he punched like a Gatorade, um, you know, a Gatorade station there. And I was like, Oh no, we lost Jeff green. And he was only at a couple of days, but he became such an integral part of the Nets, So it was, it was tough to see him go, but I had, you know, wrapped my mind around the idea that this was it. He was gone. And uh, you know, not, not shocked to understand that. So yeah, you, you got the two guys, you got Blake, you got, you got Bruce, and you in roll with it. It's funny too because I know I remember when Blake resigned or or signed with the Nets. We were kind of like, ah, oh, let's let's see what we got. And then <laughs> he, he definitely won us over with his great play and his more than anything with his hustle. And his three point shooting was pretty decent too. So couldn't be happier to see Blake back. And now in year number two, he'll he'll truly feel like a Brooklyn Ned.
0: No, absolutely, I agree with you on that. Now the Dinwiddie return. Uh, were you as disappointed as some were on a uh,
1: Nets Twitter with what they got back? Disappointed, but then the more and more you think about it, I think we had re- unrealistic expectations. Bingo for what we were going to get with it. It was like, okay, here's what we're going. I've heard this rumor about Miles Turner. I've heard this rumor about Clint Capella. I've had I've heard this rumor about all the the former Lakers that didn't play minutes in the playoffs, but they got the potential. And then realistically, once you break it down, you realize. This is what you get in return for something of this kind of trade, this value. So I, once I realized it and studied it and understood it was like, okay, they got a second round picks and this trade exception. This was reality, Evan, to get more than that would just be unrealistic expectations.
0: That was it. You know, I, I think you hit it right on the head. I, I think that, and I, I fell victim to this too. Mm-hmm. started to believe, oh, my God, they're going to get such a great return. Oh, my right. God, they're going to get back. Future ones, they're going to get back some kind of impactful player. And look, the Nets really didn't have as much leverage as we like to think that they have. They, they weren't going to pay Spencer Dinwiddie the money, so they obviously made the decision they were going to let him go. Spencer had decided to sign with the Washington Wizards, and Sean Marks has been a very player-friendly GM. And maybe that's part of why they had so much success attracting Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in the first place that I think he's made it his business to be very helpful to players that played for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, in small examples, he's done that over the years. So he wasn't going to say to Spencer Dinwiddie, yeah, we can't work something out with the Wizards. Go find a new partner. Like, that wasn't going to happen. No, so when the Nets are right. asking the Washington Wizards for their first-round pick from a year ago, The Wizards are going to say no. So, look, the two second round picks are fine. I mean, you you know, look, listen, you want to have as many picks as you can, especially when you don't have first from the James Harden trade. The the trade exception is huge. I mean, it's going to come down to how they use it. Do they use it in one chunk in making a trade acquisition before the deadline? Is it on a waiver claim? Do they mix it up? Basically, the rules, the way I understand it is that they got a year to use it, but pretty much it's going to be before the trade deadline. They can't use it on a free agent signing, but they can use it to absorb some kind of contract. So if there's a guy available making $10.5 million, the Nets don't have to match up salaries. They can simply take the guy back. So that's one of those things, bro, that could be huge come February of next year. I doubt they use it today, nor would I. That's probably something you just kind of keep in your pocket right until
1: the trade deadline. Exactly. And And the thing is like, okay, right now, teams have hope. Teams have excitement. Teams are thinking about their future. But then you come around to mid-February when the trade deadlines are happening, and you're 21 and 38, you're you're 17 and 42, whatever it might be, and you're long gone from the playoffs. Okay, now we're going to make trades. Now we don't care if the Nets win the title. Now we don't care about Sean Marks. Now we make deals. So you have that for the future. And it's just so funny. Like Sean Marks became a victim of himself because of how good of a general manager he's been. He's been so good at wheeling dealing and making trades that there was an expectation that Sean Marks was going to find a way to to make Spencer Dinwiddie turn into the fourth best player in the NBA. And that was unfair. I could only imagine how, you know, Sean Marks is feeling right now. If he, if he, if he cares what people were saying about him on net Twitter, like this guy, he's going, are you kidding me? I Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't have the budget to pay him. He's walking. This is what I made the return into calm down it's going to change into something else and you have to remember too if there's anything we can remember for being nets fans in this past off season into the into the mid part of the season was blake griffin lamarcus aldridge i promise you nets fans there is a 100 chance that that there is somebody on another team right now that will be a brooklyn net in the middle of the season when they are bought out or traded or whatever it might be, this is another asset that can use for that. They're not done. And that's why I kind of, I looked at at it and said, calm down, relax. This is the off season to add players, but the Nets are in such a unique position that there will be other veterans that will join this team later in the season. Don't forget that. Like LaMarcus, like Blake, it's not done right now. There's other guys coming.
0: Right, and I guess in the meantime, when this season starts, we'll see if DeAndre Bembry becomes a factor. We'll see if Javon Carter becomes a factor. We'll see if any of the draft picks can become kind of parts of this rotation and what the needs turn into. I mean, the need's probably going to be a rebounder. The need's probably going to be a four. It's going to be adding a big, but look, you hit on it. And it's a part of why I think at first I was very anxious about this offseason, but then I started to think about it, and that was – A lot of the moves or the guys that are going to play big minutes come postseason time are not on this roster. You know, obviously, most of the guys are. I mean, we know about KD and Kyrie and Durant and the importance of keeping those guys healthy and Joe Harris kind of fixing his mental issues when it comes to the postseason. But they're going to add someone just like they did last year. Look how important Blake Griffin was during the postseason. Look how important Mike James was. Mm -hmm. I mean, who the hell thought about Mike James being a factor come postseason? So you're right. But I got an issue with you. All right. Because I listen to the other podcasts that you do. You actually host a lot of podcasts. But one that I really enjoy is that fair weather fans thing that you do with the with the Knicks show. All
1: right. Bad weather, but close enough. I'll take it. What did I say? Fair weather. It's bad weather, but bad weather. Whatever you want to call
0: it. No, no. Bad weather fans. I apologize. All good. But you and Nick boy, you know, do this podcast where you yeah. talk Knicks and Nets. And on this podcast the other day, which everybody should download, you should listen to it. It's a very good concept. I like as much as I make fun of the Nick fan uh, shill. I like him. He's he's a likable guy. I like yeah. how excited he was about signing Kemba Walker. I like how he was. Oh, my God. We signed Kemba Walker. Is amazing. Like that. That was cool. I felt I felt good for him. Yeah. Like a charity patient. I felt really happy
1: for him. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> here it comes, but
0: no, 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 he's great. I got no issue with him. I got an issue with you. Yeah. I'll tear it. So on the podcast, you said exactly what you just said, which is, Hey, you know what? Calm down that fans. Everything's going to be fine. You were texting me basically. And I think the quote was this off season stinks. Did yeah. you not say that early on? I did. Yeah. All right. So why did you say that at the time? What made you think the offseason stunk? What was that?
1: I got to remember the exact time of saying it. But in the moment, I probably felt that way. Yeah, man. But I mean, the more more Losing,
0: Losing Dinwiddie was at it, which we all knew they were going to lose. No,
1: I think there was no buzz to it. You know what? I think that's what it was, Evan. I think there was no buzz to it. It just felt boring. But the more and more I talk about it, and I I weave back and forth. I change my mind on things. But the more and more I talk about it, the more and more I get into it, I'm okay with the offseason because there's Kevin Durant. There's Kyrie Irving. There's James Harden. They added Patty Mills, who's probably better than Kemba Walker, by the way, who people will realize is the case when the season starts and has is, is, is gone into a couple of games. Patty Mills is better than Kemba. You've added him to the rotation. You have Patty Mills. You have Bruce Brown. You have Nick Claxton off the bench. It's not as bad as we all think it is. So, yeah, I'm texting you that. I'm in the moment. I'm feeling down. But I'm, I'm okay with where they are. I'm ready. And, I, and I'm sick of feeling this like doubt and this not doubt. I'm I'm sick of feeling I'm sick of feeling bad for the Nets. I'm feeling bad for myself and and tweeting out a picture of Kevin Durant's shoe that's you know two inches over the the stupid freaking line. I'm just over it all and I'm ready to roll and I'm and I'm feeling excited for the Nets Whoop. and I want to feel more confident about the Nets. So yeah, I texted you. I'm sorry. Yeah, this offseason sucks. <laughs> and in the moment after whatever had happened, we didn't get what we wanted. But the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I organized my brain, the more and more I pet my cat, I realize it's okay. It's going to be all right. This team is going to be, the Nets only played three. The, the Nets only rotated three guys at the playoffs to begin with. So when we get to the, the, the playoffs the next season and Kevin Durant's playing 52 minutes, even though it's only a 48 minute game, we're going to be okay.
0: What, and- you, you know what I'm fascinated <laughs> by? I, I guess this is the thing I don't really understand. Like, the Dinwiddie thing was emotional more than it was yeah, of the Nets' ability to win an NBA championship with or without him. Because I think we both understand, and I think most Net fans understand, that while he would have added another element of depth to this roster, he's not what they need. Now, obviously once Harden and Kyrie went down, sure they could right. have needed a guy like Spencer but his role is going to be very limited on a team that features those three guys healthy. So, I admit a lot of it's emotional. A lot of it is Spencer Dinwiddie in many ways represents what the Nets have been able to accomplish in turning their franchise around. Uh, I like him you know, just personally, not that I know him personally, but he always came across like just a cool dude, like a guy Mm -hmm. you want on this roster. So just for me personally, I think a lot of it was, it sucks losing him. Not, oh my God, we lost him. What do we do? Because, Patty Mills is a better fit than Spencer Dinwiddie. That doesn't mean Patty Mills is better, not suggesting he is, but he's a better fit based on the way this roster is constructed. So I think the Dinwiddie thing, if that, was, if that was the move that brought you down, it shouldn't have brought you down about this team. It should have just brought you down about, you know, business sucks. Yeah. It just sucks that he's not going to be on this roster. But outside of Dinwiddie stunningly re-signing, what the hell did you expect from this offseason? You expected another big move?
1: No, I, I agree with you, Evan. I, I'm with you. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I texted you. This sucks. But realistically, no. This is what this is what you're gonna get. The, they the, the Patty Mills thing is a big deal. He's gonna get legit minutes. He was a good he was a great signing. This this is what you're going to get. I think it's in- interesting that the Nets went with all these rookies. I think that was a little bit of a surprise that they went with that youth movement. But then when you take a step back and you realize, okay, if we're going to sign KD and we're going to sign these guys long-term, it's okay to sign some younger dudes. So no, w- when I text you to that emotional in the moment, yes, upset, but realistically I'm cool with everything. If Nick Clax is going to start, if it's going to be Blake Griffin starting whoever it is at the five, and then you have your bench with your role players this it's time to go, and if they're healthy, let's be honest, Evan. If the Nets are healthy, they're the best team in the NBA. They are the best team in the league. They almost beat the Bucks without Kyrie, I know, and, with, I know. and with and with James Harden playing like he looked like me in the eighth grade. They have, I mean, they're there, and Durant is great. He's brilliant. There's no need to be concerned. This whole idea of he's 80% Kevin Durant, 90% Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant's 110% Kevin Durant. And then that's have him until I'm the age of 42. So it's I all know. good.
0: Let's get let's get to that because the truth is of everything that happened in this off season, Everything. Patty Mills, ooh they drafted five guys. Cameron Thompson's going to be awesome. You know, he averaged 23 a game at LSU. Uh, everything that happened in this off season, that's the highlight. And I don't know how you felt, but I, I did have a, the opposite of the reaction I had on air with the James Harden trade, <laughs> right, right? Because I found out on air stunningly that yeah. Kevin Durant was going to resign. And I had a very excited reaction. I said, he's my guy. He's our guy. Screw you. Nick fans. Stop with the mercenary t-. bottom line is you could see the video. If you care, I was very, very excited. And It's not that I'm surprised. I want to make that clear because I I had consistently said on this podcast with you and certainly on the air with Craig, Kevin Durant's going to retire as a net. I just had a really good feeling. I didn't think he came here for two years, basically, to then leave. Where the hell are you going to go? It it never made any sense. So I'm not surprised, but I think the excitement that I had and maybe a lot of net fans felt the same way was just, I don't have to worry about this. Because I think that no matter how confident I was or you were, if we went into this season with none of the big three guys extending, there would be that chatter. That would be a dig that a Nick fan would take at us, that mm-hmm. any fan would take it. As "Oh, he's just going to leave it here, bunch of mercenaries. And even if it's just Kevin and the other two guys don't extend and they wait, it just is such a relaxing feeling knowing this guy's a effing net. Mm-hmm. This guy's going nowhere, and he's not a mercenary. So shut the hell up. So I think that's a part of why I had that emotional reaction. And that's why no matter what they did in this off season, by far and away, the number one thing that happened was the fact that Kevin Durant extended on that four-year
1: deal. 100% completely agree. And yeah, you should feel that way. You should emote like that because you do take a lot of crap for you in particular on the air, hearing all Nick fans say everything they have to say and what you have to deal with on Twitter and having the presence as like the voice of the Nets and hearing people say, you know, let's, you know, rewind a couple of years, go back. And it's like, okay, Kevin Durant's never coming to the Nets. Kevin Durant only came to the Nets because he was hurt. (laughs) Kevin Durant (laughs) won't be as good as he was. He'll be good. You know, if you're lucky, he'll be 80, 90%. So you'll have that Kevin Durant, but he won't be the same player. Oh, Kevin Durant was great, but he missed all these regular season games. Oh, Kevin Durant had an epic playoffs. Yeah, but he's not going to be a net long-term. This is not what the Nets do. Kevin Durant signs a four-year extension. At some point, there's only so much you can take as a human being, and I can speak for myself, it's annoying. It's annoying to hear all of the goalposts being moved back, back, 15 yards, 20 yards, 25 yards. So Keep moving the goalposts back until you run out of excuses. The bottom line is Kevin Durant likes it here. He likes getting paid by Brooklyn. He enjoyed the moment. He decided to resign. So I can uh, completely understand you feeling that emotion and letting it out. And the Nick fan, I'll, I'll respect the Nick fan if he goes, Hey, Evan, hey, Mike, good signing. That was, you know what? Well, that's how a, could, they how made could it them.
0: not be a good sign? But they resigned like, the best.
1: Not, not a good, it's like, you know what? Your team's the real deal. He likes being here at some point you have to accept that and understand that Kevin Durant loves it. And the other two are going to follow. And I'll tell you this. Now the mercenary talk from people that want to say it, they're going to shut the hell up because they know what's to follow. And there's a timeline with stuff and there's, there's contracts. It might not happen tomorrow. It might happen in a year because then when you can get more money, but it's over, the Nets got these guys. Now you want to have the conversation. They can stay healthy. You want to have the conversations that are not going to be as good when they're older Okay, fine, but the truth is they're going to be nets and they're going to be in your way. Well, you need to be annoyed by it.
0: You may hate me for saying this, and I and I swear this is not about being negative, but just looking at the big three and their plans for the future. I was always confident about Kevin Durant. My feeling on Kyrie is Kyrie Irving will not play for another team. All right, so we can throw that out. Kyrie's not opting out and leaving, but there is always that worry that Kyrie Irving is going to decide. You know what? I've made tons of money. I've won a title. I don't want to do this anymore. Like he does. Kevin Durant's the opposite. You know, what's interesting about this guy, and now we're going to get to live this. Kevin Durant loves the game of basketball so much. And this is sad. What I'm about to say that I think the sport ends for him when he's dragged off the court. Like Hmm. he doesn't come across like a guy who at 36 and having a really good year is going to say, I'm good. I'm done. He's not Michael Jordan. Right. You know what I mean? In that regard, like I think his love for the game and it's a compliment towards him in a way, I think in a major way that he loves the game so much that I don't know if he's going to walk away before he should walk away mm. where I think he plays basketball deep into his late, like this contract he just signed boring, you know, catastrophic injury. Of course, mm. I think Kevin Durant plays into another contract. I think oh. he loves the game so much. So, And that's great. That's fantastic. Kyrie Irving, not that he doesn't love the game, but would it surprise me if he retired the next couple of years? No. And by the way, I don't have any issue with that. I mean, Barry Sanders is like an icon for doing it. Jim Brown did it. I know it's a different sport, but guys walk away sometimes. So that's my feeling on Kyrie. He's not leaving. He's not going to the Knicks. He's not going, you know, wherever. It will be either a Brooklyn net or retire. I don't know about James Harden. And that's not me being negative. That's not me telling you he's going to leave. Cause I can't tell you where he would go, especially based on salary cap numbers for next year. I'm just saying, I don't know. Like, I think James Harden wanted to come here to play with KD to play with Kyrie and get a championship. And if he gets a championship next year, I don't know. He could say, yeah, I had a great time, but I'm leaving. I want to be, I want to have warm weather. You know, I want to retire now, basically not retire, but play basketball, not caring about chasing a title. Cause I already won one. So I'm not as confident as you are that these three guys are all going to resign because I just don't know what James Harden's thinking. And in fairness to James, he may not know what he's going to do. Yeah, you know, He now may he not was, have
1: a plan. Yeah. You laid out some good points on that. And with the Kyrie thing, you know, who the hell knows? He could definitely say I'm done. Let's just call it up. Let me retire. But, but, but you alluded to it. Like what is the other options for James Harden? If he was to leave where is he going to go and play? Where is he going to, for his legacy, I think for him it's about winning a championship. Now, if he wins a championship and he wants to make another decision, I think you, me, and the whole the rest of the world would say, I'm, sa- I'm sad to see you go, but we won the title. Where is he going to go to position himself to have a better chance to win a championship? No. I don't see what that is right now, and the league is fickle, and it can change fast, and things can go in different dynamics. I get it. But right now, it's Nets or where, where are you going to go where you're going to make $50 million a year and have a win- chance to win a championship? Name the team. It's the Nets.
0: Yeah, no, I think it would strictly be, I want to be near a lot of strip clubs. I want nice weather. I got my title. I'm good. <laughs> if I'm if I'm just jumping into James Harden's head. But I tell fast. you this, a, a reason for all of them, specifically Harden and Durant, to want to be teammates for the rest of their careers is that this is going to be Kevin Durant's age 33 season coming up. This is going to be James Harden's age 32 season. They're going to age, you know, they're, they're going to decline at some point. Now both guys are not declining right now. Thank God. But at some point age will eventually catch up to you and it will be easier to decline gracefully when you have another hall of fame teammate next Mm -hmm. to you who yes, maybe declining in skills, But it's not as if you need to carry the load. If a 35-year-old Kevin Durant has to carry the load with guys around him that are not half the player he is, that makes things a lot more challenging. But, look, here's the truth. I'm not worried about James Harden. I'm not worried about Kyrie Irving. I'm not worried about their future contracts because I know, just like you know, just like everyone here listening knows, Katie is back. And that was the key. You know, the key Mm -hmm. was he's invested long-term He's not making the decision based on anyone else other than what he feels comfortable with. And that's great. And that's fantastic. So even though a lot of these guys, you know, Patty Mills is basically on a one-year deal. I think year two is a player option. Uh, Bruce Brown's on a qualifying offer. Blake Griffin's on a one-year deal. You know, Blake's going to want a payday next year because the piston contract runs out. So there's a lot of uncertainty about the year after his roster, but knowing Kevin Durant's going to be here, (laughs) I'm confident that you know what, there'll be guys who want to play here. And and the other thing that's kind of cool is I, I jokingly talked about cam Thomas, the kid they drafted out of LSU. One of the things the nets have done so well over the years is develop guys yeah, develop late first round picks or mid first round picks or guys off the scrap heap. So, you know, we all love Nicholas Claxton. I think his role is going to be much more expanded this year, especially with Jeff green gone. um, Cam Thomas may well be a guy who a year from now or even a few months from now, we're talking about, hey, look at this diamond in the rough we found. And what better guys to learn from if you're a young player
1: like Thomas than James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. And you just don't know what's going to transpire during the season. And I would have said this if if you rewind the tape and go last year at this point and you said, hey, Mike, who's going to be a more integral part of the Brooklyn Nets franchise? Is it going to be Landry Shamit? another shooter who can spread the floor, or is it going to be Bruce Brown? Somebody they got in the, you know, Musa deal. I would say, Oh, it's Landry Shamit. He's the guy I want. He could spread the floor. He could shoot the three. And it proved over time that Bruce Brown was the more valuable player for the Nets. His three point shot wasn't as good as Landry Shamit, but he could hit some corner threes, but then all the other things he could do, he could defend, he could hit that little floater in the lane. He sparked some energy for the Nets you just don't but point I'm trying to make is you just don't know now what the season's going to look like then, and who's going to be the integral part. So with that in mind, yeah, it could be Thomas who's developed. It, he could be a big part of this team. It's just so early and you don't even know. So, you know, you, you have to rely on the fact that the Nets have done a good job with this, even though maybe, you know, a lot of it was Kenny Atkinson, give credit to the Nets for developing players. Let's see what they do with the younger dudes. And, and let's have some fun with it. A
0: couple of things. James Johnson's here for toughness and to probably get in a fight with somebody. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was not that enthralled by Andre Ugadala, that rumor, because I just don't think he has that much left. I think from a veteran experience standpoint, sure. But I mean, I, in, a, in a weird way, DeAndre Bembry is probably the better move because at least he has an upside. He's young. He's a similar kind of player. I know he's not the shooter that Iguodala is, even though Iguodala is not much of a shooter these days. Anyway, so I wasn't that disappointed when they missed out on Iguodala. Uh, Javon Card will be interesting to watch. I mean, we haven't watched him all the time to know. Um, Mm -hmm. And we'll see about kind of the other roles. But look, here's what's kind of boring. But the truth, this is all going to come down to being healthy at the right time. No. And that sucks because we're sitting here in August and we're helpless. And exactly. even when the regular season starts in October and we're having a great time, hopefully it, it is going to come down to a mystery that none of us can answer. And that's okay. Can they stay healthy when it matters in April, May and June, because this is not an excuse. This is not me whining. This is the reality. Injuries stopped the Brooklyn nets. It wasn't Giannis Hantanakumbo. It wasn't Chris Middleton. It wasn't Brooke Lopez. And it's not a knock on those guys. Those guys played well, but injuries defeated the Brooklyn Nets, not the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, you're a Buck fan? I don't expect you to care. You won an sure. NBA championship and you deserve it and you should celebrate it. And you shouldn't even think for a second about what I'm saying because it's irrelevant if you're a Bucks fan. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying for all of us, like we have to recognize that when we self examine the flaws with this team, They don't rebound enough. They don't defend enough. Whatever excuse you want to come up with. Understand the Nets lost because they weren't healthy. Uh, That's why we lost. It wasn't the rebounding. It wasn't the defense. It was the fact that James Harden was 40% of himself and Kyrie Irving wasn't there. And they still almost beat the Bucks to win game seven and quite frankly could have won the NBA championship. Anyway, I think so, it'll be,
1: so, uh, I think it'll be so fascinating, Evan, because I agree with everything you just said to see what kind of year James Harden puts out on the injury front, because he's an iron man. And you talked about this when they made the deal for him. And you said this, you were on the record for saying, Hey, I'm not in enthralled with the trade. But I do like the idea that he doesn't miss games and that if somebody else went out, you've got a superstar in place. And what ended up happening? He got hurt. He missed games. So I'm really curious to see what kind of season, not that James Harden has when he's on the court, but does James Harden have an injury-filled season? And I'm not talking about the mystery injuries the Nets are going to put out where he's missing a back-to-back versus the Orlando Magic. I'm talking about does, does Harden play because he's healthy and he's not missing games, or was last year an indication that he's getting older? Like, that, right there to me, is the key to the entire net season.
0: Yeah, and you know what else? And it goes along with what you're saying. Not only did James Harden always play games throughout his career, he's always played big minutes. And that doesn't have to remain the case. I mean, it just doesn't. You know, and and I think we saw when KD played the 50-plus minutes in the postseason where we said, hey, this is why you don't push him during the regular season. You do it so that you don't feel as bad when you're sitting there in the middle of May and you've got to play Kevin Durant 50-plus minutes. So you're right. Is this the beginning of a James Harden kind of becoming an injury-prone player? But also, if you're Steve Nash and Sean Marks, you control the minutes. Mm, Like, that's not something that's out of your control, but – You know, look, either way, this offseason was fine and this offseason was fine because they brought back 50 percent of the key free agents they needed. The guys they really did need, in my opinion, are Bruce Brown and Blake Griffin. They made a nice addition in adding Patty Mills. They have this 11 plus million dollar exception to have in their pocket. And you said it. They're going to be able to make impact moves after the trade deadline and even before the trade deadline. With the buyout market, like that is going to be probably their biggest weapon. So it's tough to get too nuts about what happened this offseason. And I'm like, you just get me to the start of the regular season. We're actually not that far away. Be nice for them to release an NBA schedule so we can fantasize about oh Christmas Day against this team, blah, 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 you know, all those great things. And as far as is that what you think it's going to be? Christmas Day against the Lakers? I do. Yeah, absolutely. What's opening night? Give me a prediction. Nets, Bucks. You know what? I I, I actually think they're going to go Nets Knicks because mm. I think that the, you know, and look, I don't know what the Knicks are going to be next year. We could sit here and try to guess it. I, I ended up thinking they had a pretty good offseason at first. I wasn't sure what they were doing, but I think when you saw the way those contracts worked out, they, they're better. I mean, adding Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier ain't getting rid of that Alfred Payton, you know, harness that was on them. You know what's that? Not harness. I'm thinking of that. What's that word? Uh, the thing that you put in the water to keep the boat still. What's that called?
1: Uh, we're all gonna look dumb here. <laughs> um, he, those things. Yeah. What's yeah, that thing things. called?
0: You you put it like you you park the boat a buoy. No. no. You pu- oh, I'm an Googling. anchor. An anchor.
1: There you go. <laughs> an a-
0: that an anchor. anchor at point guard. these an anchor. A little different. A little di- Don't yeah, compare CeeLo and Alfred Payton. Sorry. That'd be no, no,
1: no. <laughs> Sorry, it was a joke.
0: I'm predicting Nets-Knicks opening night. It'll make the Knicks okay. fans very happy. Give them some attention that they they desperately want. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, that was fun. You can listen uh, to Biseglia on a regular basis. He's got the Mike Delivers pod, and he's also got the Bad Weather fans with the Knicks fan. What's his name again? Oh,
1: Alex. Oh, I don't know his name. Don't ask me. No, yeah, Al- Alex is his name. Yes. Thank you, Evan. Uh,
0: well, thank you very much. And thanks to everybody for listening to this edition of the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast.